All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 24 of Conservative Roundup. Today, we're joined by Dave McKenzie, the MP for Oxford. Thank you for being here, Dave. It's great to have you. Well, it's good to be with you, Aiden. Thanks. And Jackson? All right, well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, Dave? Well, um, I guess my background is that I was a police officer in the city of Woodstock for 30 years, uh, the last 10 of which I was the chief of police. And uh, I decided to get involved in politics with uh, the Progressive Conservative Party in 1997 with John Charest. And uh, I ran then, and as you would know, a Progressive Conservative in 1997 in Ontario was uh, not electable. And I wasn't. We came close, but no cigar. And then uh, I did the same in 2000. Then when the parties merged, uh, yeah, I was always a supporter with Peter McKay, and the parties merged. I ran again in 2004 and was elected, and I've been elected in every election since then. Wow. Why did you want to enter politics? Um, well, it goes back to, as I said, I, I, had, I was police chief for 10 years, and uh, from 1987 through 97. And um, John Charest impressed me with uh, fighting with the separatists in Quebec. Um, as corny as it may seem, I believe that the country is better, bigger, and and as a whole than it was uh, to be separated. So I decided to do my part and run with John Cherie in that regard. And so I've been there ever since. The party and the country hasn't come apart. <laughs> For sure. Thank you. Mr. McKenzie, uh, who do you consider being your biggest inspiration going into politics? Well, initially, it was obviously John Charest, but John Charest left the party and, you know, as you know, went to uh, Quebec and became the premier there. But, um, you know, I think since then, uh, you know, I've admired a lot of people around the world, uh, uh, but certainly at home, Stephen Harper, uh, you know, Stephen's integrity and uh, breadth of knowledge and, uh, you know, all of those things. I admired him a great deal Um, from a distance, Margaret Thatcher. Uh, I think made a big difference in the world and you know more recently probably just looking at things um, some people outside of politics like Thomas Sowell um, you know he's a I don't do you know Thomas Sowell no I don't know <laughs> well I'd highly recommend you read him he, Thomas looked he's a I think he's 82 years old okay. um, he would tell you he's, he's a black man. He started out as a liberal, became very conservative in the U.S. in his views. And uh, so a lot of what he writes and uh, is just good common sense uh, stuff that you can adapt to politics or just life. Sounds good. Um, so far throughout your career, what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment, you feel? Um, well, I think... Um, accomplishments or, or enjoyment but uh you know when i, I was first elected in 04 um Stephen made me the uh, critic for the associate minister of defense uh, which meant nothing because the associate minister of defense never spoke in the house uh, but then in 06 uh he made me parliamentary secretary of the minister of public safety and so that was a you know i enjoyed that it, it kind of dovetailed a bit with my policing and uh there were different things there that i think uh, I felt comfortable with and we accomplished. Um, and then I ended up uh, uh, chairing the Justice Committee. And there were a lot of things in the Justice Committee that went through when I was the chair of that. And uh, um, some of it, you know, was very memorable. Some of it was maybe not so. But uh, things like 
we strengthened some of the rules on uh, veterans um, defacing cemeteries and, and uh, monuments and that kind of thing. Um, then I, w I went from there to uh, deputy whip and I stayed in that role until two years ago. And so I think, you know, throughout my career, there's always things you look back on. You think you could have done better, things you could have done worse. But uh, I think all in all, it was, it's been a good career. Sure. All right. Thank you. This is you're coming back to my, ne my next question, Dave. You, you, you brought up the monument stuff. Where, why do you think that uh, Justin, Justin Trudeau is so, so keen to, to almost to have people that identify as liberal or NDP tear down statues such as the, the John A. McDonald statue or deface it? I, I mean, that's a disgrace. It's a disgrace that, that we allow it to happen. It's a disgrace that uh, we've done nothing about it. We didn't stand up for anything. And it's that same old story. If you stand up for nothing, you know, you are nothing. Um, you know, his dad understood that, that, you know, there were differences and I wasn't a supporter of his dad, but uh, it's, it's like now, you know, where here we are apologizing for things a hundred years ago, but he won't apologize for what he's done. Mm -hmm. And and I think that speaks, you know, pretty, pretty well of his character. He's never wrong, but you know, society is wrong. Mm -hmm. This week I saw them apologizing for uh, a battalion in the first world war. And that's a hundred years ago. And, you know, sure, maybe there are things we did wrong, but right now, I mean, we've got women in the military that have been very, very wronged, and uh, he's he's complicit in some of this stuff, and he's not apologizing for it, doesn't accept any responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, tearing down monuments, I, I don't know. It's, it it fall, fell from the U.S. into Canada, and, and, you know, we needed to stand up stronger. You know, here in Woodstock, as a, for instance, um, we had a young fellow that put swastikas on the on the uh, cenotaph, and that it was just at that time that the whole issue about defacing monuments came up and and uh, military uh, monuments. So um, we had people from here that testified in front of the committee that you know it's a disgrace when military people from half a century ago lost their lives and there's a monument to it and somebody else comes along who has absolutely no respect. Mm -hmm. For sure, and even the the previous last month, Justin Trudeau he was one of his little uh, coming out of the cottage little uh, interviews, and uh, he said that the parliament was based off systemic racism that it was built on systemic racism. What's what's your reaction to that? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's that's Justin Trudeau. You know, he you say he come out of the cottage people here claim he comes out of the cuckoo clock you know every day at a certain time but you know i mean it's 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 terrible the way he talks about the history of canada and uh you know sure we didn't do everything right but that was then and this is now and like i said about the the women in the military um you know the way he treated uh um uh, vice admiral north you know, from the military. You look at all of those things, and uh, I don't know where his head's at. Mm. Yeah, because you, you have to look at, at women in, in his party. You look at Jody Wilson-Raybould, Jane Philpott, and, and the the previous Whippy MP. I, her name slips my mind, but it, it definitely shows his uh, feminism side that, that he likes to or show. Or lack thereof. Mm, yeah, very lack. Very. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's... I wouldn't even say he speaks a good speech, but... 
you know, he, he claims to be the feminist prime minister. There's nothing feminist about him, the way he treats people. Mm-hmm. For sure. Jody, Phil, uh, Jody Rayson uh, is a good example, and uh, Minister Philpot. I mean, they were the two of the more accomplished ministers he had, and he treated them like, you know, dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he definitely has a way of showing who he favors in his party right who he uh loves loves getting giving the government money out to such as the we charity oh yeah yeah like he tried to shovel a billion dollars out the door to them or nearly a billion right so Mm -hmm. you know when he got caught at it all of a sudden was 500 million and now i mean and, and you look at around the world um other individuals and countries are seeing the mess that we is um you know, the, was it the man from the U.S. that said that he paid for a well in memory of his son, and then turns out they took the plaque down and sold the well to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing he's gotten involved in. And uh, you just look at, I mean, uh, Scott Bryson, when, you know, the heat started to come on him over the, the uh, Ad- Vice Admiral North situation, he leaves, Mark Carney leaves, um, there's something not right about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you. Mr. McKenzie, what do you feel is the most important issues going up in the next, in the upcoming federal election? I think getting the country back to work. You know, we, uh, we're hearing from people that are recognized that, that there was a need for assistance in you know in the early stages of covid and maybe it's still a bit but uh the debt now has gotten so high you know it's it's, uh, it's over a trillion dollars and when you look at that um i used to say you know that your your children are going to have to pay our debt or your grandchildren now it's in your great great grandchildren are going to have to pay this debt because uh, it's so massive uh, we can't pay it off in the short term. So it's getting people back to work and getting the economy back on its feet. I think that's the, the whole thing. It's about jobs, jobs, jobs. For sure, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's The Prime Minister has put us in a lot of debt, which is it's going to basically, well, raise inflation a lot and be but, hard to you pay know, back. You're two young guys. Uh, you know, what do your futures look like? You already owe, you know, 50 or $60 million without you having done anything, right? Yeah. Uh, that's just the debt, you know, the, the national debt plus the provincial debt. But um, your future is going to be one of being tied to a, a millstone, you know, to try and get rid of some of this debt. Mm-hmm. And, and we're chasing companies out of Canada. You know, the, the carbon taxes, uh, we have some companies in my own riding that are looking pretty strong to go to the U.S. where they don't have to deal with the carbon tax. And they deal with the same customers. Sure. My next question is, you just talked about it there. What was your reaction? It was earlier in the news this week that the carbon tax was ruled legally constitutional. What was your reaction to that? Um, I, I don't know if I was surprised at the court saying that, but that doesn't talk about the, the value of the carbon tax. What does it do? Um, you know, BC has been into before the rest of the nation and their carbon emissions are going up. Um, we look at the states, 
during the same period of time that we've had a carbon tax, the American emissions have gone down. Now, probably some of that has to do with with the faltering economy, but our economy's faltered too. So when you go to the grocery store and you see the price of, of groceries, and you know a factor of that is the carbon tax, um, we've got people, older people especially, that are finding it very hard to stay in their homes to pay for their heat, hydro, and buy groceries with the, a huge carbon tax attributed to it, and it goes up again on Wednesday. Yeah, it's definitely quite disappointing that they have that because Absolutely. It, yeah. it's and, and, so expensive. Yeah, now, you know, you fellows wouldn't remember Dan McTeague, and I remember Dan. He was a Liberal MP in the House, you know, back in 04, 06. And, I mean, he's just adamant that this carbon tax is going to be a killer. And that's a guy on that was on the inside, now on the outside. He sees it. I mean, if I say it, somebody's going to say, yeah, well, he's just a conservative. Mm-hmm. Dan McTeague was in no way, shape, or form a conservative, but he's just so uh, appalled about what we're doing with the carbon tax now, I think. People have to wake up. Yeah, for sure. All right, thank you. Yeah, coming coming back to the, the carbon tax, such as the GTA, where people, Andrew Shears hopes where it was really, it was, there, he was hoping that they that they uh, would wake up and realize how much money's going to not really come back to them from the, the carbon tax that Justin Trudeau so claims. But another um, previous Lisa Rate that we had on, she, she kind of explained it how, due to COVID, that, Torontonians or people in the GTA don't really realize how much that the the carbon tax affects them, right? Because they they aren't driving their kids to soccer practice, they aren't driving their kids around anywhere. They they're just fueling up to go to work, and it's and it's cheap right now, right? And, and the gas, and just as Jackson said, goes up Wednesday. The prices. Why do you think that? Well, in addition to that, Aiden, one of the other things is there's so many people in the GTA that live in apartment buildings. And they do not see the direct cost of, of the carbon tax on the utility bills. You know, if they were living in homes and, you know, those people, they'll see what it means. But you're right. I mean, they may not have to drive anywhere. They may take public transit, which is a lot of it is supported by other levels of government, right? So if they had to pay for it directly, they, they would get the, the feeling. And you do not get... There's no government can't take money from you and give it the same amount back. It doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that it just as like it goes to show, like even with his his uh, gun ban, it, we oh we're gonna buy back your guns and all that. No, he hasn't bought a single gun back. Well, I'm an old police chief, and I can tell you, buying all the guns in the world. Well, not in the world, but all the legal guns in Canada, and that's what they were going to do, doesn't stop any illegal guns in Canada. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, I don't know whether you saw this weekend, we had the, uh, was it five people stabbed in Kelowna, six people stabbed in Vancouver, uh, two uh, Metro police officers were stabbed last week. The guns are one thing. It's, it's more than guns. It's it's about being soft on crime in the first place that's that's creating some problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause you, you look at Doug Ford when he got first elected in the 2019, 2018 election. One of his one of his first acts was that he increased funding for the for the police in Toronto. He, he decreased the ki- the crime rate by a by a I'd say a significant margin, right? The crime decreased and even the Toronto police did agree with that and it go, does go to show that that conservatives do crack down on illegal 
firearm owners and, and gangs and liberals go get go for the the legal gun owners. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they're at the wrong end of the problem. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Mr. McKenzie, focusing a bit on COVID here, what would what is your reaction to the way the government's handled COVID so far? Um, I'm, I'm impressed with the provinces. I think they've all done a, a remarkable job, given that they've been trying to operate with one hand tied behind their back. Um, the federal government is responsible for, you know, um, allowing people to come into the country. Uh, you know, we were still bringing plane loads of people in that were infected that shouldn't have been coming into the country. Um, and then, you know, we're way, way, way behind on purchasing vaccines when Justin Trudeau was talking about 400 million doses of vaccine. You guys know the, the population of Canada is less than 40 million. 400 do million doses, that would, you know, that was just ludicrous. And now it turns out that we just don't have them, right? So I, I'm, I'm impressed. I think that all of the provinces have done a pretty good job. And they're taking the heat for it. Uh, I hear people day in and day out are blaming Doug Ford. Well, he can't put needles in your arms if he doesn't have the vaccine. So uh, I'm disappointed in how our federal government handled the whole thing. Plus, we were way behind on, on personal protection equipment. Um, you know, we were playing around with China uh, and getting inferior goods if we even got them. Uh, whole bunch of things where we we needed to deal directly with canadians canadian companies that were prepared to put their shoulder to the wheel and and get the stuff turned out yeah for sure like duck ford he's been on tv a few times recently he's he's called out the prime minister saying like you know where's the vaccine right like i can't do anything if there's no vaccine no and doug doug ford was a good supporter of him he didn't he didn't mm -hmm. kick him you yeah, know for sure early on he he played ball with them, but Trudeau uh, didn't play ball with them. No. Yeah. Uh, another question I have, uh, your reaction. The United States has not approved the AstraZeneca vaccine that they gave. They're giving us a few million because they're still doing tests while Canada has already um, approved the vaccine. Is that concerning to you that the United States has not approved vaccine that they're giving to us while we've already approved it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it to be really honest, but they're not giving it to us, by the way. They're no. loaning. It's a, yeah, it's like a loan and then <laughs> yeah, we have um, to pay back a million once we get ours back. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know why there's, why their, um, approvals are being held up there. Um, okay. yeah, I, I mean, I watched the, you know, the docs talk about it and they all claim that, you know, it's, it's still a good vaccine, even if the Americans haven't approved it, but, uh, all right, thank you. Uh, coming back to your your time as a police officer, do you personally or well professionally believe that the police should be defunded? No, no. The American <laughs> talk about being counterproductive, <laughs> um, but you know uh, the Americans got got all into that, and so some of the cities here too. But I don't know whether you're following, but the Americans now are putting money back into the police mm -hmm. departments because mm -hmm. they realize crime rates have just gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. The problem is that so many of their police officers got frustrated and left, and they can't hire them now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what goes on with the trial in the 
Minneapolis with uh, the George Floyd thing. But I think, uh, you know, we, we all need to keep our powder dry and see what comes out. But I think that you're going to find that the, there might be medical reasons, not mm-hmm. not police reasons for his death. But having said that, I, I don't know that neither. But you no, know, defunding the police is not going to work. It's just, you know, you guys already touched on a little bit um, when Doug Ford, you know, uh, took over. Uh, you know, policing is going to be a little bit tougher on things. Well, things went downhill in a hurry in Toronto when they stopped the uh, the street checks. Um, they had a different name for it, but if if you were a bad dude in Toronto before they stopped the street checks, you didn't walk around with a with a firearm in your waistband because you might get stopped by the police and, and it's found. Now you're free to run around and you can see all these uh, gangbangs that are happening with young kids with uh, firearms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is funny that left-leading politicians uh, you, you use joe biden as an example back before the uh, the president presidential election oh let's defund the police it's what we need it's what they need come pre- comes to be president doesn't even say a word oh we need the police don't defund them it's it's funny how that works even with Justin trudeau he's claims that everything's built on s- systemic racism when he's wore blackface more times than he can count <laughs> With the banana down in front of his pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, well, just looking at every... How does that make you feel when, when Justin Trudeau blames everything on Canadians and he, he doesn't take responsibility for himself? Well, I, I feel bad about the Canadians that vote for him, people that trust him. You know, and and uh, it's it's almost that like he has a cult following. Um, you know, people people just can't grasp that he might not be right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just fear that, that uh, we're going to get into another election and people don't understand, you know, I, I mean, I'm a conservative and, and it offends me greatly that some of the things he's done and people have never held him to account for it. If uh, Stephen Harper had done just one of the things that he's done, they, the press would run him out of town on a rail, but he just gets a free pass on it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the media has definitely got some way out of control. Even Rosemary Barton, who claims she's nonpartisan, but you, you know, oh, okay. you know right. her bias when she sues Andrew Shear. I'm nonpartisan too. <laughs> uh, it, it's unbelievable how far left the media has got. So, like, you look at what I rely on now is I rely on the independent news sources and the, the independent press. That are that are more right leaning, but you, you know you get the truth and you get the facts straight from the right. I just like to see people in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, criticize us when we're wrong, you know, by all means, but be in the middle. You know, and uh, I, I mean, it's interesting that you read any Rex Murphy stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Rex Murphy was a liberal, <laughs> big time liberal <laughs> in Newfoundland, and. But Rex is just kind of a salt of the earth guy, right? He's kind of straight down the middle. And I look at him, and I mean, he'll criticize us, but he sees what's wrong. Um, Robert Fife is kind of the same way. But when you say Rosemary Barton, I'd like you to go back and look at the Christmas uh, tape with her and Justin about three years ago. If you think she's neutral, huh. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it, it's so funny just just listening to her say that she's nonpartisan. 
when, when she does all these backhand deals just you know when he pays her and, and she just loves to do all this stuff with him and then and then she just goes ahead and she sues andrew Shear for for photos that were that were used that are that he is free to use actually yes yeah it's hilarious no. yeah and if there's one news media that should be in the middle it would be cbc it's being paid for by the canadian public mm-hmm. you know they 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 should be in the middle but they're they're pretty close to a CNN. Yeah, just, just one last thing, though. Um, it, CTV is has remained pretty neutral. I don't know if you, if you agree with me. I'd, I'd say CTV and and uh, CP24 have remained pretty neutral. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've become frustrated with most of the, the news media. I'm like you, so I look at news from other sources. And I think, I think maybe, you know... You're right on that, on what you're saying. Um, and if you look at the viewership of all of the networks, they've all dropped off. Like it's been a, a terrible, terrible, terrible decimation of national news. And maybe part of it is 24 hour news cycles. You know, we don't get uh, news reporters, we get um, opinion. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you have one news person talking to another news person, that's not news that's an opinion coming out. And uh, I, I just saw a little clip the other day about somebody talking about Walter Cronkite. Now that that's old history for you fellas, but you know, the guy said, you know, that was the end of the news when Walter Cronkite was gone. And all of a sudden we had, you know, 24 hour news cycles in the U S and, and up here too. And I think that's, that's partly true. We've lost news um, reporting. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you. My soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mr. McKenzie, how frustrated are you that the Prime Minister and like his cabinet have committed all these um, scandals throughout his tenure in government? Um, well, I, you know, I find it really frustrating for the Canadians, Canadian electors and people that are paying the bills. Um, he just keeps marching on and, uh, you know, the... Uh, we had a motion passed in the House last week that either his ministers or he attend a committee meeting. Now he's trying to weasel out of it. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I can't believe that the Canadian public are that in, uh, immune from what is, what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Like, he did, I think, yeah, too, there wasn't the We Charity before the last election, but before it was the SNC-Lavalin and, like, the India trip and the Aga Khan and all that. And it just kind of went right through people in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And they just yeah. basically ignored it. Like, yeah. and then, you know, I mean, Bev Oda was one of our cabinet ministers. She put in a, you know, expense for a $16 glass of orange juice in London, England. Trudeau went ballistic. He went ballistic. Oh, I remember. Yeah. She was, she's our, she was our old MP before Aaron O'Toole. A great lady. And you know what? Um, if you've ever been to England, $16 for glass of orange juice is not out of line. It's out of line for what we think in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, some of their prices over there are crazy. But, uh, he, you know, he went over the top. And when you look at, you know, when he goes to any of these uh, uh, climate conferences, he'll take 100 people with him. You tell me, does that make sense? When he went to India, you know, and he 
got dressed up in their ceremonial clothing. Do you know how many people he had with him there? I mean, it was outrageous. But people let him away with it. And I think also going back to like the media thing, I think they don't, they just don't cover it extensively as like they did like with the Bev Oda case. Everyone was like, uh, all the media, CBC and all of them, they were like, oh, she needs to resign and stuff yeah. and needs to do that. But here he's having like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of expenses and yeah. there's just no response. And the only reason why we know about it, like for me, it's from some conservative news saying, oh, you know, this is what he did today or whatever. That's yeah. the only reason why I know about it because CBC or CP24 or whatever, mainstream yeah. media doesn't tweet about it or report on it. Well, and that's, you know, there's more more stuff found out through access to information requests than there is in the, in the media. And they never fact check anything he says. No, they don't. They spent more time, Canadian media spent more time fact-checking Donald Trump, who we didn't vote for, than they do our Prime Minister, who they have voted for. Yeah, for sure. It's quite uh, quite disappointing. Yeah. Uh, uh, coming back to the, the CBC, though, it, it's funny how Kamala Harris got more attention in, in 2020 during the presidential election than Leslie Lewis did for the conservative leadership race. It's just, I mean, you describe it. I, I, have, I don't know how you describe it. It's, a, it's um, you know, they're, they're more focused, they were more focused on Donald Trump than they were on Justin Trudeau. And Justin Trudeau is our prime minister. Donald Trump was never our president. And, you know, um, whether you liked him or you didn't like him, it really shouldn't have mattered to Canadians. But we are going to equally see now, I do believe, but replacing Donald Trump with Joe Biden is not going to be an asset for Canada. <laughs> oh, you've you already looked at it. Five. Yeah, you already look at it. You look at the Keystone XL now, Line Five that they that they want to take out under uh, and, and Marilyn Gladue's uh, riding. It, yeah. it is it is funny. Jo- Donald Trump does have a, a way with the media that I I, oh. I, I do find amusing. Well, you know, Donald Trump said that the media are going to regret the day he's gone. Well, they are now because their numbers are just tanked. Nobody watches them. I mean, the guy had his own way, right or wrong. And like I said, I didn't vote for him. Not my president, but you know what? I think we need to spend time looking at our our uh, leader. Mm. Yeah, I, give it Donald Trump or not. He he always had his way with the media. He he didn't stand for the bias and, and CNN's uh, neutrality. Let's just say, he, I I really did enjoy how he used to handle the media. Though I I don't know if uh, well liberals can't really testify on that one because they anything Donald Trump they, they oh they just they just uh, run and hide, put their heads under a rock. Well, did you see uh, Candace Bergen had a mega hat on somewhere? One of the liberals went ballistic over it, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the uh, liberals they, they they went ballistic in the house because Michelle Rempelgarter blocked him on Twitter. Oh no no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's unreal. It is she completely both, unreal. Both uh, Chris Biddle and uh, what's his name, right, from mm-hmm. Kingston, the Islands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Mr. McKenzie, so far, what do you feel, uh, what sector of the government do you feel that the current government has 
sort of failed Canadians on. Where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the, the so economics, many sectors. Well, the economics, um, I mean, international trade, I mean, when the Prime Minister goes to India and makes a fool of himself and offends, you know, uh, Modi, you know, in India, and he goes other places, and he said things behind Donald Trump's back that got back to Trump. Uh, so our international affairs are suffering. Our economy is suffering, um, for sure. Our our environment. I mean, he talks about the environment, and um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I understand what he's got for an environmental policy. He's going to plant two billion trees. Been going to plant two billion trees for how many years now? And you know, I don't know whether you know, but we have 300 billion trees in Canada now. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we could use some more trees, but we also need, uh, uh, you know, some of the CO2 to grow our corn and and uh, other things. So I, I don't know where they where they've succeeded. They they talk about infrastructure now. You know, the the Auditor General comes out and says, well, that was money that Stephen Harper had put in there five years ago. So I, I, I don't know what we can say he's done. For sure, yeah, many failures. What do you, follow-up question here, what do you feel that they need to do to maybe somehow save their damage that they've done, if if they can before, if I, there's another I think, election? I think they're so far in. Uh, I You know, I mean, I'm biased. Make no mistake about that. But, um, you know, if he left and they had a good leader, and I don't know who it would be, I don't think it would be Mark Kearney, but you know they need they need a leader with some integrity, and I don't see him as having that integrity. And to get him back on track, uh, it's, you know, you'll hear old liberals say this isn't the party that I belong to. Um, yeah, I've heard that a few times. Yeah, yeah. it's he, he's uh, he's a, like a cult leader. All right, thank you. Yeah, just just coming back to. Uh... Justin Schroeder and his, his little uh, fun time. Let's talk about his socks for a second. Where he went to one of the conventions with, with one of the world leader thinkers, either Donald Trump or, or Scott Morrison. And he's, do, do you like my socks? He, like he's wearing like these little kid socks. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where his mind is, I think, on some of those things, right? So, um, yeah. He, he, he was very childish there. He's just as childish as, as he was when he went to in, or India. I mean, that that was foolish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at he's like he's like waving his arms around. He's dancing like an idiot. He's embarrassed yep. Canada. He's, he's, Canada's still a, a laughing stock on the world stage under him. We are. When he said Canada's back, he didn't mean that we're as far back as we are now. And we're just going back and back and back. Stephen Harper was a world leader. He's recognized then and he's recognized now. This guy is not a world leader. Mm-hmm. And it goes, goes to show just how you, what a fall from grace Canada's gone from Stephen Harper to, to just even Stephen Harper, he's now head of the IDU, the International Democratic Union. And, yes. and that goes to show how many people respect him and, and honor him. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, not that he didn't have his faults. We all do. You know, we're human. But uh, it's such a difference from one leader to another that, uh, yeah. Mm, for sure. Thank you. Uh, Mr. McKenzie, if the Conservatives, let's say, get elected, hopefully with, like, majority government in the next election, what do you 
think is for the first hundred days, what do you think is the most important issues that need to be tackled? Um, trying to make a significant change in the economics of the country. Try and try and make it. Try and get the country turned so that we can get people back to work. That we can get industry that wants to stay here, and or even industry that want to locate here. I think that's the biggest thing we need to do um, to get some integrity back into our economics. And then, you know, to, to uh, worry about some of those other things after after Canada is healed. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I think we might be coming out of time. Yeah, about three minutes left if you want to ask one more quickly. Okay. Um, sorry. Um, my final question would be, what do you I'm just trying to work this well? Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm totally, totally <laughs> blank in here. And if you know, if you want to ask the question, I'll ask you, one, you can, one you can quickly. Ask the last question. I'm totally blank. <laughs> I'll ask one quickly. Where do you think that? Aaron O'Toole should focus his sights for seats on the next election. Obviously, all 338, but what area specifically? Um, well, I think uh, I think we need to follow, you know, sort of um, Doug Ford's thing. Doug took a lot of seats in Toronto, and that's what we need to focus. Um, you know, we lose. We had the most votes last time. Uh, Shear had more votes than than Trudeau had. But his votes were concentrated in Toronto and Montreal. So we need to win a lot of seats in the 905 area, maybe a few seats in the 416. But I think geographically, that's what we need to do. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's where we need to focus. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I'd like to, to thank you very much for all your time, Dave. It was really great to have you. And I hope that we could do this again. Yep, not a problem. And uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. I enjoyed being part of your uh, podcast and uh, hopefully things go well for you thanks thank you mr mckenzie for your have time. a great day appreciate it thank you that was dave mckenzie the mp for oxford make sure to tune in on the next episode of conservative roundup